Jesus called her name. John chapter 20 and verses 1 through 18 is where we're going to look at in just a moment. Uh, James read for us verses 1 through 8, kind of as that introduction. But we're going to take a look at kind of that entire context this morning. I'm going to go ahead and put this introduction slide up there. You can kind of be looking at that as I make some uh, introductory comments here. A well-known song in the garden. Familiar with it? It's often associated with prayer. And in various songbooks, and in some of our older songbooks, they would group songs in sections, and in the garden would be one of those songs that they would place in that section about prayer. And that might have seemed appropriate, but I want to suggest to you that wasn't totally accurate. Because that song really is based upon John the 20th chapter. And we're going to take a look at that this morning. The words in that song go like this in the first stanza. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And then skip down to the chorus and it says, And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. See, Austin and Miles was the writer of those words, of that song, based upon John the 20th chapter. And that's really talking about, and what his intent was, was to talk about Mary Magdalene. So keep that in mind as we take a look at these this morning. And the points we want to give consideration to is John's gospel, and then Mary, just a woman, (laughs) and then acknowledge the darkness, and Jesus called her name. First of all, in regards to John's gospel, because it'll help us to understand what is being stated here in John the 20th chapter. In John, the 20th chapter, verses 30 and 31, a passage that's familiar with a lot of us, kind of to paraphrase, says, These and many other signs did Jesus do in the presence of many witnesses, but these have been written so that you might believe, and believing you might have life through his name. John states the reason why he writes is he wants to make believers. John's an interesting writer. And as you take a look at his gospel, and as you look at the style that he writes in, what John has a tendency to do is he oftentimes contrasts light versus darkness. So John writes with the intent of making believers, and he wants to bring light to where formerly there was darkness. And so keep that in mind as we take, take a look at this. John chapter 1 and verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in verse 4, he says, And in Him, this is talking about Jesus, was the life. And this life was the light of men. Skip down to verse 7. And John the writer, the apostle, talks about John the Baptist. And he says that he came to bear witness to the light. That light that he was bearing witness to was Jesus Christ. So keeping those kind of 
themes in mind as you think about John's writing. He writes to make believers, and he wants to bring the light so that he might dispel the darkness. John chapter 20 and verses 1 through 8, I'm not going to read it again because James already read it for us. And if you have a New Testament, I hope you just open to it and look at it as we're going through this. But keep in mind what has taken place in John chapter 1 and verses, or John chapter 20 and verses 1 through 8. So Mary Magdalene, John states, came to the tomb early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. And so John states in that section there that she came, she discovers that the tomb is empty, she heads back, and she tells Peter and John. Now, John doesn't mention John himself. He says Peter and this other disciple. And that's the way John writes. Because oftentimes, or all the time in this gospel, he doesn't just necessarily mention himself. It's in kind of a humble fashion that he presents the truth. And so he says, Peter and this other disciple run to the tomb. The other disciple, guess who, gets there first. And then Peter shows up, and Peter's the one that goes in, and then afterward John goes in. And then he states something really interesting in about verse 10, which we haven't read yet. Peter and John leave. Mary Magdalene shows up, discovers that the tomb is empty. She heads back and tells the apostles. They run to the tomb. She comes back with them. Peter and John kind of check things out. And they leave. Mary stays. I told my wife this week as I was thinking about this. I said, sometimes you read scriptures and something just kind of jumps out at you. I said, that kind of jumped out at me. I said, Mary stayed. You know what my wife said? Because she's a woman. (laughs) I think there's truth to that. And I want you to keep that in mind as we take a look at this. The men left. Mary stayed. Verse 9, it says that they did not yet understand the scripture that says he must rise from the dead. Luke's account of this over in Luke, the 24th chapter, in about verse 12, speaking about Peter, says he marveled at this. He wondered about this. What does this mean? Mark tells us that Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene first. Keep that in mind. So John records that for us. In John 20, in verse 1, John says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So as you read John's gospel, 
you have to kind of stop and think. Why does he single her out? And he specifically names her. Remember John writes in the first century. Most scholars readily agree. John writes this account in probably mid, maybe early 90s. This is 60 years after the fact when John writes these things down. And when you think about the first century, when you think about the 90s, and you think about the time in which John would write these things, there was no gender equality in society. There was no equality of the sexes. There were no equal rights for women. Yet John identifies Mary Magdalene specifically and says she came to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark. And then he writes how he and Peter came to that tomb, checked things out, and they left. And Mary stayed. John writes that. A guy (laughs) writes that. I want you to think about this also. By the time John writes this, and most all scholars agree, his gospel was last. As sometimes people have suggested, scholars have suggested, that his gospel was written kind of as a supplement. Now that doesn't mean in any way that his gospel is diminished. What they are saying is, is that with the time, by the time John wrote, those other gospels were all already in circulation. And so when John penned his gospel, it's like, hey, this needs to go along with that so that you understand the complete picture. So he writes in the 90s. The gospel journeys of Paul, they were all over. They were finished by the early 60s. By the time John writes this, there are Christians and there are churches that have been planted all over the Roman Empire, all over the world. Because Paul will write in Colossians chapter 1 about verse 23, which we know that letter was penned in the early 60s while he was in Roman prison. He says in Colossians chapter 1 that the gospel has gone throughout all creation under heaven. It's gone everywhere. Acts chapter 1. The apostles are told by Jesus himself to go and wait in the city until they receive power from on high. They are going to be the witnesses for Jesus Christ. The apostles. And this is an apostle that's writing this. Before they receive the Holy Spirit, before they preached the gospel in Acts chapter 2, before the Holy Spirit set set apart Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13 to set out on that first missionary journey, 
John writes about this woman. So as John looks back some 60 years, he says, I got to tell this story. In the second century, there was a Greek philosopher who was antagonistic towards Christianity. And the main stated reason for his disbelief and his resistance to Christianity is because he didn't believe in the resurrection. And keep this in mind, Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. He said his problem with believing the resurrection, he says because women testified to it. (laughs) That's second century. That's the way in which women were viewed in society. Do you know in a court of law, they weren't even called upon to be reliable witnesses? And so as the second century Greek philosopher writes about the resurrection, I can't believe it because a woman testified to it. But John writes it. By contrast, several centuries later, a well-known theologian, and I can give you his name afterwards. I'll write it down for you because it's hard to pronounce. (laughs) So I won't butcher it by trying to say it. Theologian, physicist, brilliant man. He said perhaps one of the strongest reasons for believing in the stories of the empty tomb is in the fact that women have a leading role. It's extremely unlikely for someone writing in the first century to pick a woman as the leading character because in that day they were considered unreliable witnesses in a court of law. So why does John make this woman his leading witness to the resurrection. It's been suggested there are only two possible reasons. The first one is, John didn't really expect or want his writing to be taken seriously. Do you think that's the reason why John wrote? Hardly, right? So what's the other reason why John used and wrote about this woman? as the leading character and witness to the resurrection. And this is the answer. Because John wrote the truth. John wrote the truth. Remember John 8 and verse 32? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So John writes the truth. So as we give a consideration to this, you have to acknowledge the darkness and the darkness that John is trying to dispel. 
So looking at verses 1 through 10, one again, Mary comes to the tomb. Peter and John come to the tomb. None of them really understand. They're trying to comprehend what has taken place here. Peter and John go home. Mary stays. She comes while it's dark. She goes and tells them, we don't know where they have laid him. Verse 9, they they yet don't understand the scripture. Verse 13, she says, I don't know where they have taken him. And in verse 14, she speaks to Jesus but doesn't know that it's him. So John records these things and in essence what he is acknowledging is they were all in the dark. <laughs> they don't understand what has taken place here. What's going on here with this, the body missing? So John wants you to know it's not just dark because of the early time of the day. They're spiritually in the dark. And so in verse 2 he records she ran. Verse 4 they ran. One gets there first, doesn't go in, and then finally the other one goes in, and then he follows him. And John's just recording exactly the events as they happened. I don't think anybody would look at this and read what John records and say, well, you know, John wrote this in such a way as to make himself look good. Would you? No, because it doesn't make him look good. It doesn't make the apostles look good. He's just stating the facts. And initially what he's saying is, we were all in the dark. You ever been there? I want to make this point. Without understanding the resurrection, we're all in the dark. Mankind, without understanding the resurrection, they're in the dark. You don't understand life if you don't understand the resurrection. The world lies in darkness because the majority do not understand the resurrection. The resurrection is what gives you the answer to what happens when this life is over. So the world, for the most part, is still in darkness. And John records that they look into an empty tomb. You know who made that tomb? A man made that tomb. Men make a lot of empty tombs. Fame, fortune, power, those are empty tombs. And they hold a lot of dead men. 
And so John records, they looked into an empty tomb. Jesus wasn't in there. So in verse 11, he records that Mary's on the outside of the tomb and she's weeping. And in verse 13, the angels ask her why she's weeping. And then in verse 15, Jesus asks her why she's weeping. And when it says that she was weeping, we need to understand also, this is not the occasional tear. (laughs) This is sobbing. This is wailing. She's distraught over this. Three days earlier, she watched as he was brutalized and crucified, and now she comes there on the first day of the week, and his body's gone. And she's in agony over this. And she doesn't understand. And she ran to tell the men. And the men came, and they didn't have the answer, and they went home. (laughs) And she stayed. So she stands outside, and she looks in again. And the angels ask her, Woman, why why are you weeping? And I think this is revealing. She responds, and she says, They have taken my Lord. She didn't say they took the Lord of the apostles. They didn't take the Lord of somebody else. They didn't take the Lord of Israel. She said they've taken my Lord. And so in verse 14 and 15, she turns around and she sees a man that she thinks is the gardener. And she says, if you have carried him away, listen to what she says. If you have carried him away, tell me and I will take him away. I'm kind of a visual learner. And a lot of times I like to visualize things. So as I think about this, I put people I know into this scene and then try to imagine how this would play out. So I hope they don't mind me saying this, but in my mind, in this scenario, what I did is I took Mary Magdalene and the smallest woman that I know here, Linda Fields. (laughs) And then I took the biggest guy I know, Lauren Blackburn, And here's Mary saying, tell me where he is and I will take him away. And I'm thinking, really? (laughs) You're going to carry him away. But that's what she says. Those other guys came and they left. You tell me where it is, I'll get him. That's my Lord. Peter and John goes home. She stays. And she's saying things like, we don't know. I don't know. Will you tell me 
Somebody give me an answer. John records the very next time he speaks about the apostles. You know where they are? It's in this chapter. You can go down just a little further. You know where they are? They're back in Jerusalem. And they're huddled up. And they're behind a locked door for fear of the Jews. It's been three days since their leader, their teacher, their Lord was brutalized and crucified. And now His body's gone. You know what the men were saying? I don't know what's happened. Let's go back to town, huddle up, and we'll talk about it. And Mary says, I ain't going anywhere. I want an answer. And I want to know where He is. And I'll go get Him. You know why I think? You know why I think John records that? Because as you read John's Gospel, and he doesn't mention himself by name, I think we see a little bit of John. I think he's kind of a humble guy. But he's also a very truthful guy. Because, hey, I want to tell you, when this was all taking place, the men headed back to town. But this woman stayed. I'm just writing the facts. And I want you to see that this woman, she had the heart of a lion. And she wasn't going anywhere until she got some answers. That was her Lord, their Lord. Her teacher, their teacher. And from a worldly standpoint, three days earlier, he got crushed by the world. He got defeated. And the men, they went back to town. And they huddled up. And they locked the door. Because anybody that's still showing allegiance to him, they may suffer the same fate that he suffered. And so John writes in verse 19, On that day, at evening, they were behind locked doors. That's what John's saying where we were. Mary, she's back at the tomb. And it's at the tomb where Jesus will answer her questions. The biggest question that we face in life is answered right there at that tomb and she stayed she wanted to know what happened to Jesus 
And see, when you come to understand that, that'll help you come out of the dark. So now I'm going to read verse 11 through 18. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of, of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. Wouldn't you love to have heard that exchange? Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Mary stayed. And she got her answer. What happened to him? So I want you to think about this. John writes this. Before the apostles took the gospel to the world, this woman took the gospel to them. John writes that when Jesus decided to reveal himself for the first time after his resurrection, it was this woman. Think about it. When it was time to announce the good news which, been had, which had been planned from eternity, Jesus called her name. John's showing when the light broke into the darkness. I'm going to read you just some verses from the other Gospels so that you understand. In Matthew, the 28th chapter, in verse 1, it says, Toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. Mark 16 and verse 3 on their way to the tomb they discussed who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb. That's this group of women that's going. Luke 24 and verse 2 and 3 when they arrived they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they did not find the body of Jesus. Other gospel writers record this but John writes it this way. 
in verse 2, after they've come there, she runs to the apostles. And in verse 4, they run back to the tomb. And in verse 9 and 10, they do not yet understand the Scriptures. And the apostles go home. Verse 11, Mary stayed outside weeping. Verse 13, the angels asked her, why is she weeping? And she said, they've taken away my Lord. And in verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him. The NIV version says, She cried out. Rabboni. There was her Lord. Which is to say, teacher. Mark records, now after she had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. Luke 24. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and the Mary, the mother of James and the other women who told these things to the apostles. John 20 and verse 18. Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he said these things to her. Why do you think John records it that way? Were there others? Yeah. I think John's wanting to set the record straight. Yeah, there were others. But she was the one that was taking the lead. And it was to her, Mark says, that Jesus appeared first. And most scholars readily agree. Mark, who was not an apostle but an inspired writer, was greatly influenced by Peter. So who was this Mary? All of the gospel accounts record the fact that Mary Magdalene was there and she witnessed the crucifixion and was at the foot of the cross. Her name is mentioned no less than 12 times in the gospels. That's more then a lot of the apostles are mentioned. In Luke the 8th chapter, her name is recorded about certain women that traveled with Jesus. One Christian writer said it this way. He said, Mary must have suffered severe and emotional and psychological trauma from the possession that she experienced. She would have been battered and bruised and injured and lost self-control. And in so doing, lost dignity in her everyday life. Do you know when those demons came upon her? I don't know. I know when they left her. Because Jesus cast them out. 
So keep these points in mind as you think about that. Why was Mary so dedicated to Jesus? Because Luke 8 records that he healed her. Not a lot of details given about it. But Jesus saw this woman. And underneath her condition, he saw something else. He saw her heart. Mary's life from that point on was dedicated to service out of gratitude for what he had done for her. Luke the 8th chapter also records that she became a part of Jesus' ministry and along with other women traveled and supported him. We don't know the details about that either, but that would indicate that she was a woman of some means. How was she able to just go about and travel and how was she able along with other women to support him? I know she was Mary Magdalene from Magdala, which was sat on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Does she have some business there? I don't know. I only have what's recorded. But I would also recognize how humbling it must have been to be struck with those demons that she couldn't control. And yet Jesus cast them out and her life is restored. A woman in that society, second class citizen, but Jesus showed love. Not just to men, but to everybody. And to women. Even women that were possessed. How did Mary Magdalene know where Jesus was buried? All four gospel accounts record that she was at the foot of the cross. But the burial? In Luke chapter 23, it says the women who had come from Je- or come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. The women who came from Galilee, Magdala sat on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. She would have been one of them. In Mark 15, some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene. Same chapter, verse 47. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where they laid him. She was at the crucifixion. She followed Joseph. She watched where he was buried and saw how he was laid in there. And then she comes on the first day of the week. So John states the purpose of his writing is that you may believe. And he doesn't write in such a way as to promote self because he doesn't paint himself in a good light. And John is not writing to be politically correct because he makes a woman the leading character and witness to the resurrection. 
And John doesn't write about Mary to flatter her. What he writes is that we might emulate her. He writes to show that when others went away, she stayed. And you know one of the sweetest notes in Mary's story? She stayed there to what she thought was the bitter end. And in that darkest moment, in that darkest moment, guess whose name Jesus called? He called hers. Why are you crying? I'm out here. Life is out here. Don't cling to me, Mary. Go tell my brother. I ascend to my father and to your father. To my God and to your God. Think about that. The very first time that the resurrection is proclaimed, it wasn't by a man. It was by a woman. Hope I get to meet her someday. I'd like to say thanks Mary I read your story that old fisherman you knew before he passed from this world he wanted to make sure the record was straight and he told your story So now, from now on, when you sing in the garden, you'll know what that song's about. It's about John 20. We're going to extend the invitation to any and all that are here. Mary's relationship was right with the Lord because her heart was right. If you want to make your heart right and your relationship with the Lord right this morning, and if we can help you, you let us know. While together we stand and while we sing.